0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, the podcast, Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, or how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part two of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 called Paul's Gospel Example.
1: If you read some commentaries, some of the commentators were saying that some in Corinth were questioning even Paul's apostleship, Paul's authority over over them. And that's one thing that entitlement does is if I can sideline or marginalize the source of authority or truth, then I can do what I want. If I could say something like this, oh, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, they, don't, they don't have the information that I have. If I can marginalize a group of people, namely in our culture, Christians, if I could paint them as whacked out, they don't know what they're talking about, uh, all they are is exclusive, bigoted, you, you fill in the blank. If I could put that aside, then I don't have to consider it in my worldview. And that's what a lot of the world has done to the Christian church. Marginalize the church so that our voice could be painted as ridiculous. Have you noticed it in the culture? It's happening more and more. In fact, probably what 90 plus percent of the university system is not just has not just marginalized the voice of Christians but really made fun of us now. We're crazy. We don't know what we're talking about. Well, Paul is saying, "Look, I have all of these things in my resume." Yes, it's true, I am an apostle. Yes, I saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. Yes, I planted the church that you are now now a part of. If to others I'm not an apostle, look at verse 2, or to other churches perhaps, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Don't forget about me, Paul might say. Uh, Remember me? the founder of the Corinthian church? Remember me? I'm the one that came into town, preached the gospel to you, and discipled you for 18 months. Remember me? Sometimes as parents, that's how we feel, right? Remember me? The one who gave birth to you, fed you for the first 18 years, 28 year, 38 years of your life? <laughs> I'm over here. Can be hard, right? You you pour into people, you you lay groundwork, but eventually they understand, don't they? Eventually, we all probably look back and realize everything that a parent did for us, or everything that a spiritual parent may have poured into us. That's Paul. Paul's saying, You're the seal of my apostleship. In fact. If you're going to question who I am, then maybe we should question the validity of who you are. Because if I'm not an apostle, then what are you? Are you Christians? You're the seal, the authentication. In the ancient world, a seal gave authentication to usually uh, like a container or something that was being shipped. The seal was ownership and authenticity. The church did not belong to Paul, but he was certainly their founder. Look at verse 3. My defense, literally my apologetic, apologia is the Greek word. To those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Of course you do, they would say to Paul. These are basic necessities. Can't we eat and drink too? Do we not have a right? Notice the repetition of the word right which I think every time is exousia, it's the word really for authority, but it could be translated, right? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife? Remember, Paul was single at this point, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, or that's Peter. Just a side note, Peter was married. So what was implied in this is that as Peter traveled, did he have a right to take his wife along and have her expenses covered? I would say, Yes then Paul would say, well, how much more us or how much more me? One writer in talking about Paul says that maybe the Corinthians are offended that Paul won't take their money. Because remember, as Paul is in Corinth, he won't take their money. Now, other churches did support Paul, but where he was, apparently he wouldn't take the money directly when he was ministering in that town. And that offended some of the Corinthians. Do you know why? They were so used to paying philosophers and teachers that came into town. And when they gave money to these philosophers and teachers, there was a win-win. The philosopher or teacher got the money, but the people who gave the money were able in some way to control them. When Paul said, no, I won't take your money, he wasn't playing their game. Now, it does seem the opposite today, right? It seems like there's a lot of people who won't even bother coming to a Christian church because they think it's all about the money. Some years ago, I was uh, ministering... working on a friend of mine. We played slow-pitch softball together. And I, I was saying, hey, come to church. No, it's not like that. Oh, it's all a racket. Uh, all they want is my pocketbook. No, my church isn't like that, I promise you. I hounded him. I prayed. I invited and I prayed. Finally, my friend decided to come to church on a Sunday, and I opened the bulletin, and the title of the sermon was The Lord of the Wallet. <laughs> No! I don't think there was ever a sermon title like that in the 10 years that we were at the church. But this particular Sunday, my friend walked in, I was like, ah, let's go to another church. <laughs> but maybe the Lord was saying something even in that. Maybe for my friend, his God was money. Maybe that was the providential hand of God. And then again, maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) But it was really strange that finally he came on a Sunday that that was the message. And many of your friends and family may feel that way as well. They They may think, oh, it's just a racket. But Paul wanted to move that away. He didn't want that to be a hindrance. Do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? I'm not sure what the relationship with Barnabas was with the Corinthian church, but Paul includes himself. Remember, Paul was a what? He was a tent maker. He had a trade. And I remember years ago, I I had entered into the ministry and I was working for a printing company. And the church had hired me. I should say loosely hired me. I was not paid, but I was put on staff as the pastor of evangelism in the 90s. I was in a staff position, but I worked a full-time job, so the church did not pay me any money, and that was fine because that's where I was at. But as time went by, the next five years, I you know, had come out to Corona, and I was, I was doing a lot of different things, and I was bi-vocational at the time, and I was feeling a little sorry for myself at times. I would make sure that my ministry wasn't getting in the way of raising a family, so I would wait to prepare my sermon after the kids went to bed, and I'd stay up late, and uh, I remember I heard, I was listening to Chuck Smith preach, and he goes, I really feel sorry for these seminary students who go to college, and I was waiting for him to speak to my situation, and then have to work for a long time, and be bivocational, (laughs) get my violin out, And then he said, I feel sorry for them if they get a job directly into full-time ministry and get a paycheck from that because it never really shows their motivation for ministry. It would be better if they went to work in the secular world, had to work there, and that... They didn't get a ministry position immediately that paid them a good wage because then they never have a chance to see what their true motivation is for being in the ministry. In other words, is it just for a paycheck? So I was interviewing for the pastorate 20 years ago and we were having a kind of a little mixer and uh, I was just saying hi to people and I was about to become the pastor of the church and this lady comes over and she had a pad and she had a list of questions for me. And she was, you know, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? And then she said, would you do this job if they didn't pay you? And I was like, well, lady, they're barely paying me anyway. (laughs) I didn't say that. That's what I thought. (laughs) I said, yes, I would, because this is my passion. I'm, I'm not in the ministry to get a paycheck. I'm in the ministry because I've been called. And of course, there's a danger as time goes on that we don't become comfortable and begin to do what we do just for a paycheck, whatever that may be. And so, do we not have a a right to refrain from working? I'd say yes. Look at verse 7. Examples. Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? who plants or sows a vineyard and does not eat of the fruit of it who tends or shepherds a flock and does not use the milk of the flock can you imagine we we send a soldier onto the battlefield but then we say uh, you got to get a part-time job on the side to pay for your rifle or whenever you go to the mess hall make sure that you know that the buffet is 9.99 No, we take care of them because they're fighting for our country. How about someone who sows a vineyard? Can't he eat of the fruit of it? How about someone who shepherds a flock? Can he not have some of the goat's milk? Of course. You see, he should be able to share in that which comes from it. I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Verse 8. Doesn't even the Bible or the law, the Bible of the day was the Old Testament, say these things also? For it is written in the law of Moses, quoting Deuteronomy 25, 4, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Now, don't get nervous. For those of you who are oxen lovers, there may be even a group out there fighting for the oxen, I don't know. God obviously is the creator of everything
0: you'll hear more from pastor michael in a moment
1: the ministry of Walking truth and pastor michael lance would like to give you a copy of his book suit up putting on the full armor of god no i wrote suit up because i sense the need in the body of christ and really in my own life to be suited up with the armor of god armors for one thing protection from what Well, from temptation, from the enemy, from falling, from being wounded, from hurting others. So we suit up. That's the image we put on the armor of God so that we can be protected and effective in our Christian walk and help others in the battle and the journey. We will send you a copy of suit up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of five dollars or more to walk in truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH.
0: Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app now Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants or sows a vineyard and does not eat of the fruit of it? Who tends or shepherds a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? Can you imagine we, we send a soldier onto the battlefield, but then we say, uh, you got to get a part-time job on the side to pay for your rifle. Or whenever you go to the mess hall, make sure that you know that the buffet is 9 dollars No, we take care of them because they're fighting for our country. How about someone who sows a vineyard? Can't he eat of the fruit of it? How about someone who shepherds a flock? Can he not have some of the goat's milk? Of course. You see, he should be able to share in that which comes from it. I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Verse 8. Doesn't even the Bible or the law, the Bible of the day was the Old Testament, say these things also? For it is written in the law of Moses, quoting Deuteronomy 25 4, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Now, don't get nervous. For those of you who are oxen lovers, there may be even a group out there fighting for the oxen. I don't know. God obviously is the creator of everything. And in the verse, he's saying don't muzzle an ox while he's threshing, which within the verse means God cares about the ox. We were in Nepal in India in 2001. I went on a two-week missions trip there and we're back in the rice fields, and we're going, literally going to share the gospel hut to hut. And I looked to my right, and there was a man plowing a field, a rice field. The water was about, seemed like about, a foot or two high in the field, and he was riding on the back of this plow, and this oxen was pulling him. And I was like, "No way!" And he's there, and this guy was all muscular, and he he was in bare feet, and I'm like, I, I feel like I've gone back two thousand years. So we went to this hut, and through a translator, I shared the gospel, and this young. Uh, It was a brother and sister. They were probably in their late teen years were really listening intently to the gospel. And I gave an invitation and they both opened their hearts to the Lord. It was awesome. And I had gone to a hut during that day where the people and what happened was when you went to a hut, they were so hospitable. They would stop everything even if they were in the middle of lunch and they would hear what you had to say. Plus being an American with white skin, they were very interested like, wow, what are you doing out here, man? So anyway, I went to one hut. They said they had never heard the name of Jesus before. I was the first one to share who Jesus was. They'd never heard the gospel, never heard about him. So I preached the gospel. This brother and sister get saved and they want to take a photograph uh, of the moment. And so I was like, cool. And we're all looking around for the sister. Where'd she go? Where'd she go? She came out in a different dress. She had gone to change. And I exclaimed in the middle of the rice fields, women are the same all over the world. This is awesome. She brought out a new dress. She was in a hut. Where'd she get the dress? I don't know. But it was awesome. Paul says, are you with me Bible students? I can make a biblical argument too. I could say from Deuteronomy in the law, that you don't muzzle the ox while he is threshing. Someone might say, well, then why aren't you taking money, Paul? Or is he speaking 10 altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake, it was written because the plowman ought to plow in hope. The thresher to thresh in hope of sharing in the crops. They ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest, Paul's saying, look, everybody works with an expectation of reward, don't you? I mean, if you were working your job all week and your boss said, there's a 50-50 chance I'll pay you at the end of the week, (laughs) that would would be kind of a hopeless feeling like, I don't know if I'm going to get paid or not. That might affect how you work. Paul says, if we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? This is Romans 15, 27. Yes, they were pleased to do so Gentile offering to the Jews so that they are are indeed indebted to them for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they're indebted to minister to them also in material things. There have been many pastors, the the Reeds brought it up that they are poor. That they... I remember uh, Dr. Dobson telling stories about his dad. His dad was a traveling minister. And he would come home at the end of being gone for months. And his wife would expect that, you know, some offerings had been given to him. And Dr. Dobson would say, you know, my family was really living by a thread. And then he'd say, he'd watch his dad go into another room and confess to his mother that, yes, he made some money, but somewhere along the way... He met someone who was in need and he gave away all the money that he had earned. And that became a living example to Dr. Dobson about what it means to be a person who gives. You see, if others share the right over you, 12, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. You know, after Paul's made this argument, you want to say, okay, Paul, here, I'm writing a check right now. (laughs) Okay. But the point that Paul's making is, even though we have the right, we didn't take advantage of the right. I don't want it. Then, Paul, why did you spend all these verses to convince us that it's only right to pay you? And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Even Jesus said that. Why would you make this case? To point to you to an example that I really want you to feel. Even though we have the right. We didn't take advantage of it. And even though you have the right, perhaps, the authority, a biblical uh, argument to make to go in because the idol is nothing, doesn't mean you have to use every right that you have. Our society is so concerned about personal rights almost at all costs, right? It's my right to do this. It's my right to do that. If they don't have what I like, I'll just do this or that. And Paul's saying, Look, I laid down my rights. Don't you know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? Could be referencing a pagan or uh, the Jewish temple. And those who attend regularly to the altar, this has been the issue, food sacrificed, uh, have their share with the altar. So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. The workman is worthy of his wages. But I have used none of these things even though they were his rights, in quotes. And I am not writing these things that it may be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. You see, before you get too excited about entitlements, before you get too excited about rights, I've used none of these. Oh, it was my right to but I didn't. What's Paul getting at? He's saying, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. And then he pronounces a woe on himself. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel.
0: You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, called Paul's Gospel Example. If you're looking for some New Year reading, there's always the Bible. But Pastor Michael has written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. Get your copy of the book today when you give a financial donation helping our mission to get on more radio stations. We need $30 a month financial partners, so please give online today at walkintruth.com. You can also find our mailing address on there too. That's walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael.
1: We know that in the beauty of the gospel, the gospel tells us that we are more loved than we ever could imagine. But the gospel also tells us that we're worse off than we might have expected. You see, sin is the problem and sin has to be dealt with. And so when we share the gospel, it's not just about telling people that Jesus loves them. That is certainly important. That's specifically important to someone who feels that they're so broken that they can never be forgiven. But you know what? If someone doesn't understand why they need Christ, we have to also share with them the problem. And the problem is our sin. And while not everybody enjoys hearing about their sin, we all deep down know that it's the problem and Jesus is the solution. And so when we share the gospel, we have to tell them, you know, the sickness and then share with them the remedy. You know, the old saying, we give law to the proud and grace to the humble is a good thing to remember from Ray Comfort, law to the proud, grace to the humble. But when we give law to the proud, it's only to show them their need, so we can then uh, just celebrate grace with them. That's the good news of this gospel. Everybody needs it. And 2020 would be a great time to recommit yourself to sharing the gospel with someone every week and maybe even every day of every week. Pray. Ask the Lord to give you divine opportunities, divine appointments. He will do just that. We're so grateful. Hey, I'd like to invite you out to our Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, the great church behind Walk in Truth. We have a Wednesday night service. It's a great midweek time to fill up. It's a more intimate setting, but we have worship and we're studying through the book of Job, the problem of evil, the power of the gospel. We're all the way in chapter 30 in the book of Job. And we're going to talk about some important things about uh, Job's life, and we're going to Seek out answers in the gospel and the hope of Christ. That's Wednesday night, 7 p.m., 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. It's Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. You can find out all the information, details, directions when you download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. Invite a friend. Come on out. We'd love to meet you.
0: and We'll see you here. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 called Paul's Gospel Example. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.